This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast, where we discuss topics that can be controversial or uncontroversial. Topics range from family, faith, lifestyle, you name it. No topic is off limits. All right, sit back and relax. Here is your host of the show, Connie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ventown with Connie podcast. I'm your host, Connie. Welcome to a brand new episode. How is everyone doing? Well, um, happy Thanksgiving to all of you in United States. I think um, that's the only country that's celebrating it for this month. I don't know when Canada is doing theirs, but happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. I'm thankful for all of you guys, um, just for your continuous support and your you know, encouragement by listening to every episode I release every time. That's a huge encouragement to me um, to let me know that people actually are listening and hopefully it's been a blessing to your life as well too. Well, thank you. And also a couple of announcements. Um, I haven't said this before on the podcast, but I've already announced it all, all over our social media. So Ventime with Connie is now trademark. Yay! Can you clap for me where, where you are right now? Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> well, I'm so happy about that. I hope you guys are happy as well too. So we are now trademark. What does this mean for us? That means that means the name Ventime with Connie is not going anywhere. No one else can take it from us. It's belong it belongs to us. Um it's trademark in our name. So um so it's not going anywhere, you know, no one can steal the name from us, it belongs to us, and it's our own, you know, and I hope you have, you have made this podcast your own, in a sense that you feel like you're part of this podcast, and hopefully you are, you don't hesitate to send any email, any feedback, or any topic suggestion that you want and hopefully you are spreading it to everyone that you know to your loved ones on social media so they can get to listen to this podcast and sharing does help us you know grow i will highly encourage everyone i will highly encourage everyone to do that please if you don't mind but yeah that's, so that's the good news that's the that's the announcement and uh, i don't think we have any other announcement I don't think so. So um, that's the part that I haven't shared with you guys. So we are not trademark. We are not trademark. And the Ventime with Connie, the name Ventime with Connie is not going anywhere. It belongs to us. So that should be it. Well, without wasting any time, let's jump right into the episode of today. So most people have come to the re- realization that they are hypocrites, right? Which means they say one thing and do another. In most cases, you know what you are doing is wrong, but you still do it anyway. You know the right thing to do. You preach or say the right thing to do, but time and time again, you fail yourself and fail others. You finally acknowledge, I'm a mess. People around me are full of mess. You fall into the trap of believing, since I'm not holy, nobody around me in the world is around me or in the world is holy and almost everybody have a secret sin in their closet that no one knows about how about we own our mess embrace it and leave and let leave enjoy life to the fullest 
since we are all sinners, right? Your life motto probably have become, let's celebrate our flaws and own it. And in this episode, I'm, I'm going to appeal to you that there is a solution. Embracing your sins is not one of it. You do not have to embrace your sin and others. There's a way out and Jesus is the way. If you are interested in hearing me expound on this topic of not embracing your sin, grab a drink of your choice, sit back and relax. We'll be back right after this. Keep on listening. Okay, let's jump right into the topic of today. So the topic of today is probably inspired, for, not probably, it is inspired um, by inspired by social media, you know, people around me, my own life, you know, you know, sometimes we reflect on our life, also our society, what we see all over our society, either on social media or in, in real time, in real life. So um, that's why I was like, you know what, let me talk about this. So let me talk about first what I agree, or I would say what the Bible agree um, with what people are saying, what the society have concluded. So one of the things is we are all a mess and hypocrite. I mean, the, I believe the Bible do agree on this one because when you go to Romans, let's go to it. When you go to Romans chapter 3, 13 to 18, it says, and I quote, Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of apps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, I mean, we all know this, that we are all a mess. We are all hypocrites, you know. I mean, we might think that, I mean, there's some people that are worse than us. You know, we like to think that. We always like to think higher of ourselves sometimes to just make ourselves feel better. So we probably would say, you know, I'm not really that bad compared to others, you know. But we do can still identify we do all have a mess that we just can't be holy, you know, do good all the time. So numbers, the second thing too, I believe the Bible, I agree with the society or with everyone is that nobody's holy, like I mentioned before. And if you go to the same Romans 3 that we on, if you go to verse 10, verse 10 to 12, it says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not no one does good, not even one. That Bible verse will tell you that, yeah, obviously not nobody is holy. You know, not even one person is righteous or can do good, you know, based on God's terms. That's what we are talking about. We're not talking about our own terms, our own, um, uh, what they call it, measuring stick, you know, because we like to measure ourselves a little higher than others and we like to measure ourselves we like to compare ourselves with the worst person we never really like to compare ourselves with the person that's higher we like to measure our sin um based on the person that we think are worse than us so i think the bible can agree that that nobody's holy and another third thing that people always say is we should own our mess and what i understood what that mean is admitting that yeah we are all sinner we do sin you know basically taking responsibility for our sin acknowledging you know 
acknowledge that we have sinned. We are sinners. And I think the Bible do agree on that because when you go to Romans 1, 18 to 23, let me go, let me read that. Romans 1, chapter 1, 18 to 23, it says, and I quote, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can we know about God? For, for what, we, what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the word in the things that have been made so they are without excuse for although they knew god they did not honor him as god or give thanks to him but they became fertile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creepy things and i close quote so we, I think we can thank God for that because he's the one that have revealed those things to us. We all, we all know, we have no excuse. We know that we are sinners. Even some people might not admit it in front of others, but you know deep in your heart because God have written this in your heart. You will know. You know he, he exists. You wake up in the morning, every time you look at the sun, you know he exists. Everything, you can see his creation, Everything you know, he does exist because he created you and he has put that in your heart. So we are we are without excuse. So that's how we can you know own our mess that we have that grace to own our mess because we know because God has put it in our hearts. You know I think we can thank God for that. So I will agree on that. We should own our mess. We should say yes. You know I have sinned. Yes, I'm not perfect. Yes, I'm weak on this area. I'm not good at this area. You know, all this is admitting it is good to do that. And I believe the Bible can, um, you know, support that too, that we should realize that we are sinner. We are so apart from God. We are so different from God. We, we are not holy as he is, you know. So now I'm going to talk about some of the things that I do not agree, you know, when it comes to this topic about embracing your mess. So the number one would be, of course, embracing your embracing our sin and others. Or you can say embracing our mess and others. You know, you always hear this saying, leave and let leave. People always say that. I think people say that um, so that they will look like, you know, they'll look, they'll, they'll be more acceptable to everybody. So everybody will say, oh my God, you're so, uh, you're so considerate, you're so tolerant, all those things. So you will, it's just about, your image to others, you know, people will think you are loving, you are all those things, because you don't really want to offend anybody, you know, you want to be in peace with everybody, so for that reason, you just say those type of things, so you can be like in the middle ground, so you won't be confrontational, just everybody, you know, this that's just how you describe, you think peace is compromising on the truth, and just don't offend anybody, and everybody's okay, just accept what others is doing, and let just basically leave and let leave you know that's people say this a lot in the society on social media they throw they throw this um they use this phrase a lot so i am i don't agree on this phrase and and i believe also the bible do not agree on this phrase as well too but we're going to talk about it in more details in this episode but i think we all know that sin affects everyone including us 
we all know that we know when people offend us you know when people do us wrong we know it hurts it's not good so it does affect us we know those things are not good there needs to be a change you should be encouraging people to live a godly life you know because you know god is good everything about him is good so you should be encouraging people to be living a godly life to be doing the right thing you know doing things that are good for not just you but to the everybody to the society at large you know so that's something we should be encouraging people to do because we know sin hurts us it doesn't only hurt god it hurts everybody it affects every part of you it affects your relationship with others it affects your your heart your mind every part of it you know so it's not just something you can just say live and let live you know because we all are hurting when people steal from us when people killed someone that we love all those things are those things are wrong you know we know those things are not right you know so definitely we know in our heart there's no way you can just embrace your sin you know and we should also know that if we're encouraging others to live a godly life they can only do that through the power of the holy spirit and also that means um they have to be born again and that means they have to be saved by grace you know so People cannot just do good on their own. We already know there's something wrong. So we cannot do it on our own. So we need help. So we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, being born again and being saved by grace. So all those things. So I want to talk more about how sin affects everyone. You know, you can't just say live and let live, you know. For example, you people that grew up in a dysfunctional family dynamics, you know how that feels. You know how messed up that is. How it messes you up mentally, emotionally. Every part of your life will be affected growing up. You know, you know how that is. And some people who see these things in their family, you know, they don't know the solution. They know this is wrong. They just couldn't figure out what the solution is. They're like, you know what? You know, it's my family. I'm just going to love them anyway. You know, this is just how we are. You know, we just have to accept it just the way it is, you know. No, we know this is not right because we're still hurting. No matter how many times we say, oh, this is how we are, we need to love and be okay, we just have peace. No matter how many times we say that, it does not reduce the hurt. It does not reduce the damage that has already been done or will be done, you know, as time moves on. So we know this thing is wrong. Deep down, you know, deep down in our heart, we know it's not right. We need a change, you know. That should, should be one of the indications that, yeah, sin is just not right. There needs to be something that has to be done. With this thing, can't just say live and let live, and that's how you see most people. You you hear this phrase also: hurt people, hurt people. You know, and you see a lot of broken people. You see a lot of hurt people. They just turn out becoming mean to others. That's why you hear all these bullies. If you sit down with one of these bullies and talk to them, some of them have been hurt in their past or in their childhood or in their family, whatever it is. They just the way for them to resolve this emotion they are having or this hurt they have in their heart is to hurt others because they think doing that will make them feel better for uh, of themselves and don't feel pathetic of their life you know they feel like they have a little power a little influence whatever it might be so if you see that with these people that you classify as wicked terrible when you sit down with them and hear their story you see these people have been messed up for a long time what they are doing to others now it's just a, a projection of what have happened already in their heart, what have happened in their life. It's basically they're just projecting their hurt on you or to others or the abusive husband, the abusive wife or abusive parents, whatever it might be. If you sit down with them, they have, they have been messed up all these years. You get what I mean? So it's always like them. 
and it affects people in their broken they have broken marriages you know it affects them in their marriages it affects you in every part of your life you can't even avoid it you can't just say leave and let leave and this issue keep growing and growing people just keep saying you know what it's just who i am no it doesn't have to always it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be that that way there is a solution you know and also it also affects people in their relationship with their children because even if you say because i know most people that came out of a, a dysfunctional family uh upbringing whatever it might be you know sometimes they will try their best to not even repeat that cycle in their own marriages or in their own relationship with their children. Sometimes you even say to yourself or to your spouse, you know, we'll make sure we do not repeat what our parents did that is toxic. But the sad part is eventually the cycle repeats itself without you knowing, you know? So you see and hear your children complaining the same thing your parents did to you that you swore that you would not do. Or you even see yourself doing the same thing. I was like, why am I doing this thing? I complained that I didn't like that my parents was doing this thing. And I don't like it. Why am I doing it? You know? So it's just not saying it or having the knowledge, you know, oh, I know already what to do. I'm not going to repeat that. Sometimes these things come in a very, in a very, in a subtle way. Sometimes you will not even realize that. It's people that, people, your children that are going through will be the one to be able to tell you what they are going through. You know, and I'm not saying this happens to everyone. I'm just giving an example. So it does affect every part of our life. Whether we know it or not, it does affect, you know. So I know you will ask, so, okay, we know this since what is the solution? There is a solution. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to, you don't have to accept everybody just the way they are, you know, because I don't even know how I'm going to change myself to, you know, the other person probably don't know. And, but some of them don't even know, you know, truly, truly, they want to change. Some people genuinely want to change, but they find themselves still doing that thing wrong. We all are guilty of this, you know, so there is a, a solution. Let's take a, a moment to talk about the gospel. What is the gospel? Because I believe the gospel is the solution to this, our issue, to this, our same problem that we have. So what is the gospel? So in Genesis 1 verse 1, it tells us, and I quote, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that close quote. So basically, God is our creator. For that reason, everything God created is his. It belongs to him. And we can find that out in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. It says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Close quote. So we will come back to the last part of that verse that states, Soul who sins shall die. Everything is his because he created it. You know, so also he should be the source of the truth because he's the, he's the creator. So the creator will have a manual, will have a way of how things should work. It should be the source of the truth for his creation. We know this in a man in a company. When a, a company manufactures something, they will have a manual how that car is supposed to work or how that phone is supposed to work. That's just how it is because they're the one that created it. They know because they're the one that created it, you know. So as God is our creator, he is the source of truth for us. 
he will he's the one that defines truth he's the one that says what is truth and what isn't truth you know so why did god create us um god created us to be in in fellowship with him um that means have a personal relationship with god and basic, and also worship him he created us for worship and that worship also involves having fellowship with him having a relationship with him because you can't worship what you don't know right so also another thing is god is holy we know this in psalm 99 verse 9 it states and and i quote exalt the lord our god and worship at his holy mountain for the lord our god is holy close quote you know so since god is holy and our that means our relationship with him should be holy as well because we are worshiping the holy god you know in leviticus 11 44 it says and i quote for i am the lord your god consecrate yourself therefore and be holy for i am holy you shall not defile yourselves with any swamping thing that cross on the ground close quote so that that's why we need to be holy because the god that we worship the god that created us the god that we we strive to have a relationship with is holy so he desire also holy relationship so what is holiness holiness basically means simply means setting apart from all sins iniquities unrighteousness and remember god is the one that defines what sin is what iniquity is or what unrighteousness is so that's what holiness means it's being apart from that not having anything to do with that separating yourself from that you know being apart from that you're not a sinner you know you you don't sin all those things so that's what holiness is and our god is holy because he does not sin in him there is no sin in first john i don't know what chapter it says god is light and in him there is no darkness you know so he is truth he has no sin he is holy now the bad news for us is no one is like that that's the bad news you know we all have been in rebellious and separated ourselves from god because we are sinners so this is something we all know we talked about it previously in this episode we all know we have a mess in us we all know we just can't get it right no matter how hard we try we know this things because god have revealed it to us in our heart he written it in our heart so we know that when we look around everywhere we know god exists he has put his laws in our heart he knows those things he put it like we read in romans in romans 1 um 10 to 12 we know that he is no romans 1 18 to 23 so we know that we are not this holy there's no way we can have that holy relationship with him because we are not holy since he's holy in him there is no darkness that means there's no sin there's no other sin so who's like okay how in the world are we gonna have a relationship with a holy god if we're not holy we're gonna come back to that now another attribute of god is god is just you know in hebrews 12 29 it states and i quote for our god is a consuming fire close quote and fire there indicates i believe judgment you know that's his justice you know so also in exodus 34 6 to 7 god revealed himself to moses and let's read it exodus 34 6 to 7 i love this verse and i quote the lord passed before him and proclaimed the lord the lord 
a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the, the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation, close quote. Just reading this verse alone, will, you will be in awe of our God. He's just not ordinary God, you know, or at all these God's people worship. He is a holy God and he showed himself to us, you know, who he is. And this, this is just tip of the iceberg, you know, because if we f like, I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about. He's so big. He's like, he, he's just so mighty and marvelous. Sometimes we cannot comprehend. There's no syllables or there's no word we can use to describe him. But so this is just an, a, a tip of an iceberg. He was gracious enough to reveal to us a little bit of him, you know, so we know much about him if you read his words. So everyone do want a just God, just because you hear in the society, everyone crying for justice because we all love justice. You know, we all desire justice one way or the other, right? So it is good and right for all criminals to be punished. We all know this. When someone harm your children or even murder some your loved ones, you don't want that person to go scot-free. You want justice. You want, you know, you want the, the justice to be served. You want them to go through the due process of law, you know? Um, so that's the thing. We all know these things already, right? Unfortunately... We are all criminals in regards to sin. So, sin becomes our biggest problem. Now, you may ask, how can we eradicate this problem and make right with our creator? Because in his eyes, we are all criminals, you know, because we are all sinners. So, that's where the good news comes in. God is loving, and we can find this out in 1 John chapter 4, 9-10. to It says, and I quote, in this, the love of God has made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and set his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Close quote. So God is love. He loved us when we were still dead in our trespasses. When we are still dead in our sin, he still loved us. That he sent his son to die for our sin. Now, propitiation it means simply means basically taking place of someone and uh, and atone for their sin. This, we can see this in our daily life too. For example, you might be you own someone, let's say twenty thousand dollars. You are in debt, you know, and you don't you cannot afford it. That person said, if you don't afford it, I'm going to take your house. Or I'm going to take something. Then someone that doesn't own that person just come and was like, you know what? Because of I care about you, because of I love you, I am going to pay off your debt. So he gave the, the person that you own 20000 He paid off that your debt. So you are free. Isn't that person loving? Isn't that person gracious? Because they don't have to do that. And what in the, in the instances, they don't even know you. It's not like you own them anything or they're going to benefit anything from you. They just did it. 
You know when people do this, those things to you, you don't go arguing. You will thank them. You'll be so thankful. You, your heart will be full of gratitude. You know, except you're a bad belly person, you know, uh, enemy of progress. But I'm talking about genuinely, like talking about people that are grateful. When someone do these things to, things to you, pay off your debt. You don't have to lose your house. You don't have to do those things. They just pay it off. Like, you know what? You don't have to pay me back either. You are free. You can go, you can go about your life. Aren't you going to be grateful to that person? Isn't that, don't, don't that person love you? That's just the tip of iceberg what God did for us, you know? Because he knows nobody in this earth, we already know that none, no one is righteous, not even one. So unrighteous person cannot pay for unrighteous person. Just like in the example I gave, the guy that paid for your debt had to make sure that he's not owing the pers- the same person. Because if he's owing the same person ten you know, ten thousand and he's paying your debt, that would be silly. Like, What's wrong with you? You're still owing me. You know, they still have to pay for that. Then it won't be qualified, you know, to pay for your debt because you know they're also in trouble just like you. I don't know if I'm making sense, but I'm trying my, my best to give an example. I don't know if it all makes sense. Hopefully it does. But that's just the t- tip of iceberg, what God did for us. So he has to, that's why God have to come in into his creation to pay for our sin. Because nobody, he has to be a righteous person that will pay for sins of unrighteous people. So before I talk about how God did them, um, we also need to realize that God did not set aside his justice in order to forgive our sins. So we need to make sure we know that, you know, because if he does that, that, that would make him unjust. Because most people will be preaching God had to set aside his justice just because he loves us so much. He had to pay for our sins. Yeah, God loves us. But because of his love, doesn't mean he just had to let go of his justice and just say, oh, I'm forgiving you guys. No, it, the sins needs to be paid for. It, forgiveness is costly. To pay for our sin is costly. And it costs the life of Jesus to pay for our sins, you know. So God fulfilled all, his, all the attributes of God were, were in display in the, in the cross of Calvary when Jesus died for us. In Jesus, he showed all his attributes. None of them were lacking. And we know what attributes are. It's just who God is, the character of God. It cannot be separated from him. He's just, he's loving, he's, um, he's holy, he's omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipresent. He knows it all. He's all-knowing, he transcends, his power transcends, he's mighty, he's powerful. So many of them, right? So we know this sense. So he cannot set aside his justice. So the sins needs to be paid for. He cannot just say, oh, I forgive you guys because he loves you. No, he has to be paid for. That's why he have to come in as a man to pay for our sin, okay? So, Jesus, God came into this world through the virgin birth. And he was born into the family of Joseph and Mary. And Jesus was a real person. Everyone saw him. So this is not no you know, mystical thing. He was a real person. Everybody saw him. And at the same time, he was, he was full man. He was also full God. So we know that, in fact, you can, you know, you can do your research and know Jesus was a real person. It wasn't no mystical person, you know. So he was born through a virgin birth. 
Mary was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, gave birth to Jesus, you know. And um, after Jesus, Mary was able to be with her husband and have other sons. So she wasn't a virgin all her life, okay? So just only when she was pregnant with Jesus. So let's make that one clear. So Jesus came into this world, lived, and he was crucified and died for our sin, you know. And on the third day, he resurrected in bodily form. That means everyone saw him. His disciples touched him. So it was a bodily form. It wasn't no spirit thing. He, you can see him. He resurrected physically too. He resurrected in a bodily form. Okay. So um, he ascended into heaven and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Now in Acts of the Apostles 4.12, it states, and I quote, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Close quote. So there's no name. There's no one can save us. It's only Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. That's the only name given to, to save many nations, many tribes, many tongues. Okay? So in Philippians 2, 9, 11, it states, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bound in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Close quote. Such a beautiful verse. That's the power of the name Jesus. That's the, what the name of Jesus symbolizes. That's what the name of Jesus is. Everything is under him. He will come back to judge the living and dead. So everything is under him now. He will rule all. He is the king. He's the king of kings, okay? And the Lord of lords. So how can you assess the forgiveness of God granted through our Lord Jesus Christ and also be, and be saved? And be saved from condemnation, the wrath of God, right? Let's go to Mark chapter 1 verse 15. What is the first thing Jesus preached when he started his ministry? Now, Mark 1 chapter 15 says, and I quote, And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Close quote. So this is the first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth when he started his ministry, his earthly ministry, right? So you cannot, basically, you cannot receive forgiveness of sin from any other source except from Jesus. So in first in John chapter 14, 1 to 6, let me read it. John chapter 14, 1 to 6, and I quote, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Okay, let me let you guys know who's speaking is actually Jesus. So that's who's speaking there. When he said believe also in me, he's talking about himself, Jesus, right? So let's continue reading. Verse 2. In my father's house are many rooms. If it is, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5. Thomas said to him, 
Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Close quote. So that's John 14, 1 to 6. So he is the only way. He is the way. That's it. That's the only way you can access salvation, access that forgiveness of sin. And um, so you have to believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. In Romans 10, 9, it states, it says, and I quote, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, close quote. So you have to believe that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. So what does it mean to believe? Because I've been saying that so many times. What does it mean to believe? That means to trust in Jesus. That means commit to following Jesus. Submit to his lordship in your life. You do not make him lord. He's already a lord. So you turn from everything that keeps you away from Jesus. That means repenting of your sins because it's a perpetual repentance that we would do. You know, confessing our sin and repenting. And of course, it's not an easy life. Being a Christian is not an easy life. Um, That's why God deposits his Holy Spirit in you once you are saved. It's the Holy Spirit that will empower you to walk in the truth, to be committed to Jesus, to follow him. You know, he, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what God has gifted us. Everyone that is saved have the Holy Spirit. Me, for example, I am safe and I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is indwelling in me. That's what I've been empowering me to preach the gospel, empowering me to walk in the truth and also convicting me of, of, of my sin when I sin against God, convicting me when I'm reading the Bible and also teaching me all things and leading me to all truth. Okay. So that's what it does to a believer of Christ. Okay. So if you're listening to me and you think there is no way I can be saved, Connie, I have done a lot of terrible things there is no way i can be redeemed i won't take you to a, a verse in the bible ephesians 2 8 to 10 it says and i quote for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, close quote. So, based on what I just read on Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, you can be saved no matter what you have done because salvation is not based on what you have done or what you haven't done. It's based on grace. It's a grace God gave to us. He granted it to us. It's a gift. So anyone can be saved. You just have to believe in Jesus' name, Okay. And if God can save a sinner like me, a wretched sinner like me, trust me, he can save you too, okay? Jesus is enough for everyone. Jesus is enough. You don't need this extra thing. Jesus is enough because we access salvation by grace through faith. That's it. No work can save you. No gifting or donation or whatever it is how many times you go to church how many times you help the poor can save you it's good to do these things i'm not saying it's not good it's good but yet you shouldn't be doing it for you to be saved to made right with god 
you have to be saved because if you keep doing it, you can never do it enough because in the book of Isaiah, I don't know what chapter, but it says that our works is a filthy rag in front of God. If we are not saved by grace, our works is a filthy rag. We are just basically paying what we own. You're not going to clap for you when you pay for what you owe. You know, and we own a lot too. So Jesus is enough and you can only be saved by grace through faith. Okay. So going back to our topic, right? This is why the gospel is called the good news. Okay. Because Jesus is the only way to access that salvation. God does not only declare you forgiven or justify you, or justify you. He also sanctify you. That means confirming you to the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in dwelling in you. God cannot just save you and just leave you to do whatever you want. No, he will, because he have, that's why he put your, his Holy Spirit in you to help you to, to teach you all things, to lead you to all truth, you know? So he is confirming you to the image of Christ. When we read Romans 8, and I will encourage you to read Romans 8, we're going to read verse 29 down to 30. It says, Romans 8, 29 to 30, and I quote, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Glorified, close quote. So God just, God will do all these things for us. And he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Because he's the one that put that Holy Spirit in us. So the Holy Spirit will enable us or empower you to obey God's word. Live a life of obedience, not a life of disobedience or hypocrisy that we have been living before we were saved, you know. So, so that's how it is. And I'm sure you probably will ask, okay, even though we are Christian, we are saved. Don't we still sin? Which is true. Unfortunately, we do sin. But there's a difference. When we do sin, we mourn over our sin and confess it and repent. We just don't live a life of sin. Like a habitual life of sin. Like sin. Like, like just a life of sin. Sinning with no remorse, with no mourning. It's like it's a normal thing. Just do whatever you want to do. No. You, you, when you are saved, are you putting, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. Like I said before, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin or convict you when you sin. Because he's teaching you all things. His goal is to confirm you to the image of Christ. So he will not let you to be walking in darkness. He will bring you to light by, you know, convicting you of sin, letting you know that you have sinned. You will know. You will even feel uncomfortable. And you will mourn over your sin and confess your sin and repent from it okay so we do not and when i say mourn over your sin we are not gonna mourn over our sin like our, the word did you know but we 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 when you were saved you experience a godly sorrows that our lord mentioned in matthew chapter 5 verse 4 it says let me read it that's the beatitudes um matthew chapter 5 verse 4 it says Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So God will comfort us when we when we mourn over our sin. So it's not just where you just keep mourning over your sin, nothing changes. No, we have this godly sorrow. 
as a, a Christian, you should experience this, that godly sorrow. When you sin, you mourn over it. You, you, you are not happy because you are displeasing your heavenly father that saved you from pits of hell. It's not something you just keep doing. Oh, let's just do it. We're just living life. No, it's not, not, you're not going to be, you're no longer going to be comfortable. You have that godly sorrow, you know, in you. You experience that quite often, you know. So, and the thing is, God is assuring us that he will comfort us. He's just not going to let us keep mourning over it. So, we, when we sin, when we mourn over our sin, what godly sorrow means is we look up to him to forgive us our sin. You know, and the Bible gave us the assurance in John chapter in First John chapter one verse nine. In First John chapter one verse nine, it says, "If and I quote, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." Close quote. So we have a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. He's just not gonna let you keep mourning. And more, Godly soul, we're talking about is not just. Um, so it's not self-pity. It's not just tearing yourself apart. Tearing, no, it's not self-pity. It's a godly sorrow. When you are mourning over your sin, you're looking up to God. You're not looking to yourself. Oh, this is what I've done. This is what, no, I have offended you, God. I please forgive me. You're looking up to him. And he have assured us in his word that he is faithful to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we serve a faithful God. He's just not going to save you and just leave you like that. His love is still, he still show his mercy, his grace throughout your life. He show his love and grace before you were saved and after you were saved, he's still going to continuously keep showing it because he's a faithful God. And his faithfulness does not depend on our faith, on, on our unfaithfulness or faithfulness. He, faith, he's, he is faithful, period independent of ours okay so that's what we need to remember and that should assure us that we serve a living god that should encourage us that should comfort us okay so we have that godly sorrow godly sorrows now um the worldly sorrow that i mentioned before we can see example of that in the bible in judas iscariot when he sold jesus Let's go ahead and read it. In Matthew chapter 27, 3 to 5, let's read what happened to Judas when he sold Jesus, he betrayed Jesus, and then he realized what he had, what he done was wrong because he sinned against God. Now see how he reacted. That should tell you the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. So Matthew chapter 27, verse 3, we're going to read down to verse 5. It says, verse 3, and I quote, then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See it to yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged, in, hanged himself, close quote. And that was Judas. He went ahead and, and hanged himself and just killed him, killed himself. So the worldly sorrow is just looking to yourself. Me, me, I did this. I did this. I'm not good enough. I'm this. You know, that's what Judas was doing. He, he never lifted up his eyes to God to forgive him. Because I'm sure that if he would have lifted up and asked for forgiveness, he would have been forgiven. The God is just looking to yourself. Me, 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 me. And that would lead people to destruction. That would lead people to 
harming themselves, killing themselves, all these kinds of things. Because that's what Judas ended up doing. That's something that we shouldn't do. That's what worldly sorrow is. When I say when we mourn over our sin, we look up to God. God, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. And have faith that he had forgiven you. Because he told us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? So we know that he will forgive us. Okay? And we know also the sin of Judas. We know it's not anything bigger than um, what we have done to God already. It's not, oh, he have a big sin. No, we all have sin. Him and us, we all have sin, okay? So it's not, oh, his own sin is too big, you know, compared to our sin. No. He also, so he could have actually looked up to God, ask God forgive him, and God will forgive him because there's no sin that God cannot forgive us of, okay? So as a safe, as a safe person who have experienced the new birth, that means you are born again. You have, you now have a new appetite and when i say born again that means having a new heart because when we are born again when god put his holy spirit in us he gave us a new heart because the heart we had was deceitful and wicked that's one um in jeremiah jeremiah 17 9 states that our heart of man is deceitful and wicked who can knows it so when we are safe and the holy spirit is indwelling in us he gave us a new heart we have a new heart that can enable us to even love what God loves, obey God, wants to desire to please him, desire to obey his command, okay? So that's why you have a new appetite to, a new appetite to desire to please God, not just yourself. Because when you went and say, you were just all about you, you were the center of it, or your hero of your life, everything, which is not right. Because you see, that life is not even satisfying. It's a very depressing life. It's just sometimes we deceive ourselves, we are okay, we start the same circle, then we go back again depressed. So, but now that you are saved, you are not a hero of your life. Jesus is. Jesus is the center of everything. And God will give you a new heart so that you will have appetite to please God. You will desire to please God, okay? And that means you will no longer enjoy your sin or even thought of embracing your sin. Because you know sin is not a good thing to God. And that's not good. It hurts God. It's not pleasing to God. If you say you love God, you have been saved by him, you will not want to displease God knowingly. So you definitely won't be embracing any of your sin or your mess. You will confess it and repent, okay? So by God's grace, you will be able to you will be, you will repent from your sin. You will be renewed. You will be renewing your mind through the through the reading of the word of God every day and you will be a living sacrifice to god okay and have that you know fellowship with him that he have created us for have that relationship with him and you won't be you won't you will not be among those that just embrace their sin that knows that it displeased god no you want to show your gratitude to your heavenly father you know and your relationship to sin has changed and you will hate sin just like God hates it. Okay? You will hate it. That means when you sin, you mourn over your sin because you know it's not a good thing. You don't like it. You want to confess it, you know, and be made right with God. I mean, when you confess your sin, when you are saved, doesn't mean, oh, you are written off from the, the book of life. No, you are still there. That repenting and confessing our sin, it helps also sanctify us 
mold us to the, to the image of God, to the image of Christ, because that's God's goal, to conform us to his image of his son, to his to the image of his son, okay? So I would highly encourage you to not embrace your sin. Seek to God. Look up to God to save you through Jesus Christ our Lord by believing in Jesus, trusting in him, and God will give you the Holy Spirit, which give you a new heart to desire to please God, to desire to follow his His commandment and don't live a life characterized by sin, but you live a life characterized by righteousness, genuinely seeking to please God. It's not perfect, but you are genuinely seeking it. Your desire is to please God. Your desire will change. Your relationship with sin will change. And definitely, you will have a relationship with God. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So that would be Romans 6, 14. So always remember this. And I would like to end with this. You do not have to accept your families or people's sin, okay? What you have to do, the right response to it is you pray for them to repent. Repent as in turning away from their sin and turn to God, okay? you If you don't see any fruit of salvation in them, let's say maybe they are not saved, you pray for their salvation. Because um, if you're de- if they're not walking in light, if they are in, in habitual sin, that probably indicated that they are not saved. And you should be praying for their salvation because the the path they are going through, which is the path of darkness, will lead to their destruction. And I know you love them so much, you will not want them to go to be ruined, to be condemned. So you pray for their salvation, not embracing their sin, thinking that's, that's love. That's not love. That's just you loving yourself so much because you don't want them to despise you or hate you. You want to still have their relationship is a selfish kind of thing but if you love them you want the best for them you pray for their salvation another thing is you do not have to accept your mess um that means pray and ask god to save you you know if you're not saved pray god pray to god in your room right there as you're listening to me you don't have to wait for tomorrow ask god to save you ask god to to put his spirit within you give you a new heart you know, and put his spirit within you, okay? Ask God to save you. And that has to do with you believing in Jesus Christ and you will be saved because Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one can get through the Father except through Jesus, okay? So once you are saved, you should not identify with your mess because your identity now lies with Jesus, okay? Jesus is your identity, not your job, gender, marital status, your hobbies, ethnicity, culture, or career. You know, Jesus is your identity because you no longer live for yourself. It's Christ that lives in you, okay? So that's how you should be viewing this, not embracing your mess. So I would like to end with this. Um, It's going to be an exhortation or maybe like a reminder for us, the faith we have in Jesus or the gospel, then just remind remind it to us. It would be like, it would serve as a reminder, and I probably have said it already, but just to read it from the word of God, because the word of God is, sometimes you have to let the word of God speak for itself, okay? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to read 1 to 4, and I'm reading in ESV version. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive, in, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that's the end. Well, um, I hope you are encouraged. I hope you are motivated to walk in the light, not in darkness. And always remember this. Jesus loves you. God loves you so much. And of course, and I love you too. I hope you are blessed by this episode. And if you are, please come back. Please also consider to give us a review. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify because that helps that helped the podcast you know, spread to other people to listen to. Um, so a lot of people will listen to this and also be blessed as well too as you are. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening and uh, I will talk to you guys next time. Have a great Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to like, rate, review, or share this podcast. Do you have any feedback or questions for Connie or any topics you'd like to discuss on the show? Connie loves communicating with our listeners. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Vent Time with Connie or send an email to venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Until next time, remain blessed.